Welcome to Shows What You Know, your television podcast where we're here discussing season two of Preacher, which is the very, very, very first episode. Well, we talked, first show, I should say, we talked about on the first episode of Shows What You Know over a year ago now. Ah, oh, amazing times. How, how the time flies. Preacher is back, we're back, and we're here to talk about it. And I'm excited. What about you, Jim Scampoli? I'm Jacob Burrows, by the way. I don't know if I said. Well, I am Jim Scampoli, and yes, I am excited, I suppose, because mm. we've made it through season two of Preacher, and it feels like we can kind of start getting to the good stuff. God damn it. <laughs> Gosh, well, that's what you were saying also in season one. For those who don't know, Jim has read the comic books. I have not read the comic books, so we're on sort of different different inputs here, and I mean, yeah, we're going to do a spoiler-free section first, although we are assuming that you don't mind getting season one spoiled. This is for if you're returning, you're not sure if season two is worth it. So uh, with that said, we are going to talk about what happened in season one specifically in the, in the spoiler-free section. But yes, uh, when I when I looked into it or was reading some reviews, they said things along the lines of they spend a lot of time on the New Orleans arc. And for me, not having read the comics, for me, I'm like, I assumed the New Orleans arc was the fucking comic at this point. Like, every time, every season of this show, that's like, oh, they're doing this for that long? And I'm like, well, from my perspective, this just seems like what the show is. Uh, do you think the show is going to change up that? Or, I mean, how do you feel comparing season one to two? Well, it's it seems like if they stick with the what they've been doing, they're probably going to be like in each location per season, which kind of makes sense. Uh, and I mean, despite what I said, uh, what I said, getting to the good stuff, it's mostly because the stuff they're about to get into is my favorite stuff. So that's okay. why I'm more excited. I will say season two to me is better in every way than season one of Preacher and uh, really gets more to, I guess, the heart and tone of the source material. Not that season one didn't, but season one took took like a smaller amount of stuff and stretched it out than season two did, even though season two did stretch things out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel as spinning its wheels as season one did to me. It felt like more things were happening. Some things maybe with some of the other characters maybe took somewhat of a backseat towards the second half of the season. But I think overall it was really good and they've been, they've been, they did a really good job at hinting at things to come throughout this season as well. Sure. And I mean, if the question is, is it worth coming back to season two? I'm going to give it a definitely. I, I agree it's better than season one, uh, even from my uh, unknowing, blind, child-in-the-dark perspective of not having read the comics. It's, it's definitely better. It feels like it's growing into its own, finding its place and what it wants to be, the show. Uh, and some people were feeling, you know, well, why not skip season one then? Am I, and I don't necessarily feel that way, but it's, I mean, you can tell that there's stuff happening. And I, I mean, as I was saying, we're going to spoil season one. And in season one, they basically just swept everything away that they did. And that kind of reverberated still that, like, how am I supposed to 
trust and get into these characters if you're so eager to just say, ah, no, none of that happened. And are you going to do that again was sort of a, a fear of mine. But actually, they do a pretty good job of reintroducing you to the characters. It's almost like this is a like you could almost start watching this they and not watch season one honestly because they just introduce you to the characters they they have them in action doing stuff uh right off the bat so off the bat so yeah it's 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 good stuff yeah yeah i agree i mean it's it's very hard for me to say to skip season one sure uh, I, but i mean i'm like that with any show even even shows that i know season one is not I guess as good or even outright bad to a show that got better later. It's still to to get the uh, the vibe and how a show can change and be better. You have to suffer. You have to watch Angel <laughs> season one to yeah. watch the rest of Angel. You have to sure. suffer through season one. You have to suffer through the guy who can take his eyeball out and make <laughs> it float and yeah. uh, take his body parts <laughs> off or whatever. So there are things you have to suffer through. And uh, there's a lot. I mean, I, I do agree with you. You could almost skip it, but there's a good enough stuff with the angels and with the saints of killers and some other stuff that you do kind of need to know. It, yeah. it is a bum out. That was season one. They did create these other characters that, I mean, we said we we're going to spoil season one. They just blew up at the end. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, 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 it is almost a betrayal of your TV viewership trust. Cause you want to trust the show like that. I'm not wasting my time. So they made some errors, but I feel like they came back really strong with season two and uh, made good on some of the promises of the show. I think 13 episodes might still be kind of a stretch. I feel like they should be going with the Better Call Saul. 10 episode yeah. is very I have Tight. I have that in my notes too, and I, I I have it in my notes as I hate to say the thing we always say, uh, but yeah, this season should maybe have been 10 episodes, and I get annoyed at myself just saying that. But on the other hand, I mean, season one was 10 episodes, and Wasn't they it got eight. I could be oh, wrong. I could shit, be wrong. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was shorter either way, so maybe yeah. they figured, hey, we'll we'll do 10 this time, and now we're going to get it right. And then they did. They got an order for 13. It almost feels like it should have been like three episodes shorter, and then things wouldn't have gotten as stretched out. And to clarify, I don't think anyone should skip season one either. It's just that kind of the writers almost felt like they were skipping it or like just giving it a new uh giving it a new go and uh, having at it again from the from like from yeah as we said they blew everyone up so how do you not do that um but yeah so this season is like and, and what i've gleaned from you uh from earlier is like preacher what's the concept like the log line we didn't they didn't even get to the log line in season one which is kind of road trip searching for god but literally searching for God, uh, which is uh, what, what we start out doing in this season. And then, as we were saying, it kind of not necessarily grinds to a halt, but it definitely slows down in the second half because there's a lot of like momentum and stuff going on. And then it kind of goes away a little bit because that's also where the story needs to go. And like we need to uh like have some time with these characters where it's just hard when there's several episodes in a row where the characters are bored like how are we not going to be bored when they're like 
being bored and like arguing and being petty with each other and having their own personal drama. Like we talked about Spaced a few weeks ago and how you hang out with these characters and you you like them and you want to hang out even if they're being like <laughs> kind of mean to each other. And here it's almost like they're just hanging out and being mean and it doesn't make us like them more. They're just growing apart and it's not as much fun to watch, especially considering how the start of the season goes, which is just action packed uh, and, and like wacky and crazy and then a bit slower. Uh, not to say that it's necessarily bad, but it's kind of, yeah, it, it it's it it starts losing its focus a little bit. Yeah, well, because the thing that the best part about the source material about the comic, uh, and one of the things that they really nailed for the show, are our three main characters. When it comes to Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy, like, yeah, like you said, it's fun to hang out with these characters. It's fun to see them interact, and. Not to say that that doesn't make good drama or tension to have tension amongst the group. It's just the the stuff they came up with to do that this season wasn't that strong. And yeah, it was just kind of stretched out a little bit and made like Cassidy and Tulip to an extent kind of take a back seat uh, for a lot for, for a few episodes and without having at least something else interesting going on with them. Uh, I did feel to drag out a little bit. Um, but at the very least, like the casting's still great. And like those, the way they have those characters is great. It's just they, it, it, they seem to stumble a little bit when they were trying to bring in some of the inner turmoil between the characters. Yes. And if you're listening to this uh, and you have not watched season one, even though we said we were that they blew up already, not, not a big deal, not a big deal, because the show doesn't make a big deal about it. So why should we? Uh, we should probably talk a bit about the show in general, what's good about it. And I mean, we're kind of talking about the pace and stuff. And I think those are legitimate arguments or legitimate criticisms. But looking at the show as a whole, I want to emphasize that it's really great uh, and r really well put together and put together in its own unique way. And I think when we talked about season one, we were saying like, it's got this style, but does it really like, has it earned this style and this confidence that it's it's playing around with? And I feel like here is really starting to earn that because it has certain episodes where it goes into like backstory or this or that, but it, it certainly never feels like, like they're just doing the style just because, uh, even when it's like, I don't know, could you like summarize the way they've chosen to make this show? It's kind of tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a show that, you know, a lot of shows like to say, like, anything could happen. But Preacher kind of does make good on that promise that really anything could happen on this show. And I mean, a good amount of the stuff on the show is created. It's not from the source material. But this season, they're hitting the tone and the spirit more than they were in the first season. But yeah, like... Uh, this is a show where you'll you you're gonna go to hell and see maybe what their version of hell is. This is maybe you're gonna see weird sex clubs. Maybe people dressed as a dog. Uh, you're gonna see uh, a lot of weird things on this show, and they kind of did that last season. But yeah, it didn't feel like you said. I think you just nailed it. It didn't feel as earned for what they were doing. And it, again, they were creating stuff from their own things to stretch it out into one season, but it wasn't as good. But I feel like they're just they're more hitting their stride. And that's true for a lot of genre shows. It's, you know, in the beginning, you got to introduce this world and the stakes and kind of what can and can't be done. 
and now it feels like they're more comfortable in this and things are starting to hit on a, on a better level. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if we're looking at it as a sort of twisted uh, satirical hero's journey or something like that, it's almost like our main character, who is a preacher, Jesse uh, Custer, he uh, almost spends the whole first season just denying the call, denying the call. I don't want to go on this adventure. Like, and that's why that was feeling draining. And now they're on the adventure. So, of course, that's going to be more fun uh and yeah the the style in general as we were saying it, it's got this bombastic hyperactive sort of style uh and uh i don't know if that gives the right impression it's like they have a very nice unique visual that's that hearken a lot to breaking bad and yeah well better call Saul as well but especially breaking bad got some of the same people working on it and same network they in season one there were even a fair few references i'm not sure if i caught any here but yeah it's it's kind of similar to that but with freaking vampires and i mean not to say that like oh, these aren't your traditional vampires but like one of our main characters is a vampire and it's barely a big deal like yeah even though his storyline is centered around vampirism kind of it's still like every time he burns himself in the sun i'm like oh yeah that's right and they kind of feel like they just put that in to remind us that he's not like just a normal dude because he acts like like such a normal person and then they add in some more vampire stuff but they they have that and they have like all these characters are larger than life uh super not super criminals but like rough and tumble in a way that matches the 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 way they've done the world it's like an action movie feeling across everything even if it takes place in um i don't know they're they're not doing action movie stuff uh like uh fighting terrorists or whatever they're they're more just being kind of losers but sometimes fighting demons uh it's kind of hard to describe yeah, well, the thing is, and they 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 ride the line really well because they almost because our heroes, uh, a preacher, his girlfriend, and a vampire, they're almost too good at everything because you have, I mean, like they they have these outrageous action scenes where you know uh, tulips fighting in a car and strangling people with the seatbelts, and they're flying through a cornfield, and and, and or even like uh, Jesse is doing like the not look shooting at people like almost and it's almost too like uh oh here we go it's it's almost too on the line of parody but with the tone of the show it all works because it's like weird levels of power like they're not too concerned with the local deputies because they're busy fighting uh, a demon uh, killer the saint of killers from hell so there's uh i don't know like you said it's hard to explain it's just you're either gonna go with it or you're gonna hate every second of it yeah, it's weird because when we describe it like it's a preacher fighting demons, it sounds like supernatural, and it's not. It's it's uh, nothing like that. Uh, it's it's a weird show, and weird is good because they also like even though we were saying like oh it's a bit dragged out, they still have a good structure. They kind of nail it. They introduce characters. They make them likable. Uh, they do a lot of good stuff. And as you were saying, yeah, they're kind of superhuman, but. They also did the thing you also mentioned that it feels like one of them can just get shot like almost accidentally, even in one of these crazy action scenes. So the action scenes aren't necessarily the most tense uh, because they're so badass at everything. But it's more like what like it feels like they have consequences 
in this show when they fuck up, uh, which is unique for a show where uh, they almost have superpowers in their actionness. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is it basically we get get into the meat of the of the season? Uh, is there anything else like non spoiler to mm. really say here? No, I think we got we got to get into it. Well, unless you have anything like comic related, I know you can't spoil, but like how much has changed? Uh, well, maybe you want to save that for spoilers. I don't know, but it's interesting to me. Yeah, I'll just say that they uh, there's. There's a lot of different stuff they do, but it makes sense in a weird way. It just fits. There's a few things that, I mean, there's something in spe- something specifically they've done earlier than they should, which I don't really enjoy. But you know, but yeah, I'll get into it in spoilers. Okay, let's just head into spoilers. 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 We need a sounder or something. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, the season, like, the first couple of episodes are really different, it feels like, from the rest of the season because they're actually on the road and then they get to New Orleans and I really thought New Orleans would be two episodes, but they're there for the rest of the season. That's, like, the first thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I totally thought... Th- I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, they're not going to be... I figured this would only be a short arc, but then when the intro had a lot of New Orleans stuff, I was like, either we're here all year or they have a different intro for each place. And I really I, thought I, it was different each time. <laughs> I, I thought I was watching like episode four and I was like, oh, it's cool that they changed the intro each episode to reflect what's happening in the episode. But no, I, w- I just hadn't noticed that they had New Orleans stuff in the intro, all the all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the first two episodes I thought were fucking great with... Uh, uh, basically, like showdown with the cops on the road, car chases. The Saint of Killers shows up. He's blasting police left and right. Jesse's using the word, you, making the police do their bidding, and they're you know uh, it, it was all exciting. It's well done. It was like a crazy, um, like Tarantino movie, or like more in line with say like From Dusk Till Dawn or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it immediately get gave me a much better impression. Uh, I mean, I know I'm shitting on season one. It sounds like, or we both are. Like, yeah, I mean, season one was it was fine. It, it's mm-hmm. not as bad as we're making it out to seem. The way we're shitting on it, it just this season just took what they were doing and made it better. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, it's it's feels like we're getting to the good stuff, and that doesn't mean that the other stuff was the bad stuff. It just means that this is fun. Uh, yeah, and we entered on an action scene with, with police and everything, and it, uh, as you said, they kind of give give you a new first impression and kind of introduce these characters, and as I was saying about like their interpersonal drama and everything, uh, they like make a big hoopla about the possible love triangle and, of course, all the conflict between the characters, and I believe some of that works really well, and then some of it feels like, well, it's more fun when these characters are just getting along rather than being, you know, sour pusses at each other for, for an extended period of time. Yes, yeah, and they, they do, they have, like, that... Uh sequence where they like it kind of opens the world up a bit because they go to see uh another like a minister and he's got a girl in a cage but then it's like oh it's no big deal and then we find out it's for you know some sort of religious cleansing or what have you 
Well, so, it's because she's addicted to her phone. Like she just needs. <laughs> she's like asking desperately, "Just get me a phone." And they're like, "Jesus Christ!" And then uh, it turns out she just wants to Twitter, to tweet, and to to gram and all this. Uh, so he's he's helping helping her cleanse the demons of of social media. And I mean, the show is full of great stuff along those lines. Yeah, yeah, and it, but it just and it also gives you that sense of like, oh, there are other like quirky heroes at play uh in this world and like if they start to if they keep with the traveling around and such you know you're gonna see more of this you know crazy world that we live in yeah and like there's a lot of details like they just happen to be at the at a motel with a for of a convention of like gun enthusiasts so like the way they do it's pretty fun that he can just command all of them to start firing and they're totally down of course uh because he's using the word but also because they're like of course there's a convention for that going on and of course they get brought to see uh when they ask for god in new orleans they get brought to see a weird uh furry type person reminding you of the dean in community uh, dressed up as a, a Dalmatian, so but uh, so yeah. But anyway, back in the first few episodes, yes, uh, they're on the road. There's stuff going on. Uh, let's see, they like all in the first episode. They go to that strip club. That whole sequence is also in there. Like, there's a lot happening in these first few episodes. They go to the strip club and they force the manager to tell them about God because this person's seen God, and they figure out that he likes jazz music. And but, but then, as we were saying, anything could happen. He acts. She accidentally gets shot. The manager uh, by just a stray bullet from Cassidy being an asshole in a different room. Uh, and yeah, more of the Saint of Killers following them along, which is also you know a big part of episode two as well. Yes, yeah. In episode two, uh, when we have the amazing Ganesh, I really liked that sequence. Because uh, I forget the other angel's name. Because in the first season, one of the angels died, and now we're left over here with the amazing Ganesh, and he's just doing his his uh, sad. Because since he can't die, it's you know played off as a magician's show at a casino. It's <laughs> just a corny yeah. ass thing, and yeah, everyone's like cheering, like yeah, shoot him in the head, do this, do that. And, yeah, uh, he just comes back because he's an angel, and that's what they do. The character who comes back is Fior, and the other one is DeBlanc, who uh, yes. in hell gets killed by the Saint of Killers over almost nothing. And now Fior wants to kill himself, and he does repeatedly, but he's an angel, so he just comes back. And uh, I don't remember the specifics, but he kind of accidentally does that in front of people, and everyone thinks it's a magic trick. So he develops this whole show, this whole act uh, at a casino in Las Vegas, Jim Scampoli's hometown. Yay. <laughs> uh, were you excited? Uh, was it in Vegas? I don't remember. I thought it was just like a reservation casino. I mean, it was a casino. Maybe I'm I th racist. Yeah, I, think, I think it was just because uh, they have like uh, Native American reservations where they have casinos. I don't think it was in Vegas. I could be wrong, though. Shit. Um, uh, one thing I will say is when they're at the there's a lot of hints throughout this season because I believe even when they're at the minister's house in the first episode and uh, behind Jesse is a fish tank and you hear like the mechanical noises of like chains and then you see the uh, in the fish tank is like a treasure chest that's closed and it opens and the bubbles come out and mm -hmm. we learn a little bit more about that later on in the season when we see a young Jesse you know, in the, at the bottom uh, of a swamp. Yeah. And, and because 
I'm only noticing because I read the comics and it's some of my favorite stuff when it gets into that and we get into Jesse's story because I was really confused with the first season when they were playing it up like Jesse grew up in that town. Mm-hmm. But then I guess I forgot they did do a thing where he left the town when he was still pretty young, right? Yeah, um, I mean, he must have. Tu- and he left Tulip there, I believe. Because oh, yeah. that's all very important stuff. And I know I'm like jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we get into like Jesse's grandmother and stuff like that, that's all very important stuff. But I, I just wanted to say they were kind of planting the seeds with the just the sounds and the small little visuals. And they did it quite a few times like throughout all these episodes. I was surprised they even showed it in a flashback yet. I thought they were saving it all for next season. Uh, but that's the stuff I'm most excited about. Well, I'm glad they got like started getting into it in this season because otherwise it would have felt like just teasing. I mean, not the stuff you with the aquarium, but the stuff they cho- showed him in a chest and mm-hmm. like he he mentioned his name was something different than Custer. And yeah, as someone who just watched the show, I was like, wait, no, yeah, he's from that town. Like his dad got killed. That's his backstory. That's all we need to know. And then all of a sudden now he's got secretized in New Orleans and Tulip's got secretized in New Orleans and Cassidy He's got secret ties to New Orleans because his son's there. So, uh, yeah, they decided to spend a lot of time on that. But here, I mean, one of my favorite bits in the season is also in episode two where uh, just Cassidy says, hey, we're mates. I'll convince him. He goes to convince Fjord and they play it off like he's going to torture him. But no, that that blowtorch is just for heating up meth, man. We're just going to do hella drugs together. And he's like, he's an angel, so it's fine. And they have an extended like montage of them doing drugs and, and buddying about. Uh, so I like that. He did, does manage to convince him. And uh, at the end, though, the angel betrays them and says where they were going because that was the big thing. He was supposed to call the Saint of Killers off, but he doesn't. What was your take on that? Was he always planning to betray them or what? Well, see, uh, I apologize because my memory is a little murky on these episodes because it's sure. been quite a while since I watched them. I do remember being a little confused on why, because didn't Jesse sent the saint after? Wait, no. The saint showed up and killed the angel. I remember this. But why did mm. he do that? Well, I think he asked him to. Uh, he wanted to die all along. Uh, but I think, I mean, specifically, I, I thought uh, that Jesse, like, I, th- I thought he was convinced, but then Jesse tells him to find peace using the voice. That's what it was. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I did have my notes was find peace. Jesse uses mm-hmm. the word. And yeah. so, but that's, but somehow telling him that made the saint come and find him and kill him. Yeah, because the saint follows uh, the word. He knows oh, where Genesis yeah, is, is used. So yes. he came there, and then he was supposed to call him off. But I don't know if it... I, don't, I, I felt like, and maybe they were leaving it ambiguous, that he was on their side. Like, Cassidy convinced him, but then he said, find peace, and something in him wasn't able to do that without getting that conclusion. So he, he does not call him off and instead asks him to kill him on stage. That's what, okay, that, that's yeah. what confused me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I didn't remember the specifics of what confused me because I'm with you. I thought he was like... He found uh, not that he found peace with with Jesse and Cassie, but found some sort of common ground and seemed like he was going to take their side. But then he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. 
so the conclusion of the episode, he figures out that he needs to find God in New Orleans because, you know, where else do they have jazz? So yeah. that adds up. I mean, it, it's we've both fairly been... <laughs> uh, like it, it makes sense, I guess, in the show, but it's kind of, yeah, it's fairly flimsy. I mean, it's it. Does it adds up? We've both been to New Orleans. Hey, it's the home. It's a jazz to place. But uh, yeah, I, that was their only lead. They were in luck. They were right. They did go, uh, and they were right. And they all had weird secret histories in New Orleans. What a coincidence! Uh, so yeah, they they just go there and start looking in bars. Feels kind of like when you're. Uh, I don't know if you ever played role playing games, but sometimes you have this intricate mystery you set up, and the characters are just like, "We're going to the tavern." going to all the taverns because they just go and ask people about god everywhere and that takes a number of episodes before they get any real leads and they all give up except jesse who's obsessed um but yeah back in episode two first they get presented to a man in a dog costume uh which is a hilarious bit at first and then it has so many layers well it has two layers because as we find out later the man in the dog costume is act was god all along Yes, oh my cl- god in classic like mystery fashion it was yeah. like the most absurd what is this ridiculousness and it's like oh my god if we only knew we were there we were at the goal we found god he was dressed as a as a sex dog yes and to be clear i mean th- the reason it works is that they make that sequence so hilarious in the first place where they ask for god and then there's a long bit where they like walk like in the back through the kitchen and there's they they hand them off to different people like okay they're going to see god so it's like what is it gonna be and uh i i don't uh remember exactly what i was thinking but i was thinking like this better there better be a good like payoff to this long bit of them just walking and in the end they pull away a curtain and there's a dog sitting there and the man with a tray offers like a dildo and a ball gag or whatever it is and it's so funny and they say like it's 500 to watch you know it's it's a thousand if you want to play or whatever they say and that's so good it's really good he's in a weird dog furry costume but it's also latex kind of uh and it's funny and then they it's very much in in like not just in mystery fashion but in the fashion of the show it then turns out the most irreverent thing they can do to make that god of course of course that's what it is well, and plus with this show, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at how well this show does as far as ratings or whatever. I, I I have to imagine it's a pretty obscure show because it's not like anyone in my life uh, that <laughs> I, I talk to yeah. really watches it. Sure. And I mean, <laughs> judging by our chat room, uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of dead, dead but, in there, but... Yeah, but, they, but it's they, also, but in a weird way, I get it because I, I mean, I appreciate that this this show is grimy, like this show is dirty and grimy yes. for for being a basic cable show, and it really pushes the limit, like right to the edge of an HBO show. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't have like tits and ass, really, but like God is dressed up as a dog that people fuck or jerk <laughs> off on. You know what I mean? Like, and yes. I mean, and we get, we, we get to other things like that. Cause that's not in the comic Humper in the comic that basically that Jesus is, uh, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but you know, Jesus's relative is like a retard now, like an inbred mm-hmm. retard, uh, which is, which I don't remember coming up in the comic till way later. So I was surprised at how soon they brought it up because it was uh, also a thing I assumed they weren't, they wouldn't do on the show. 
but in a weird way, I think this show has this weird middle ground where it's like not popular enough for people to like the, protest, really. Yeah, like protest groups don't know about it. If they knew about it, their heads would just explode. This is on yeah. TV. This was on TV all along, and AMC is like, yes, we've been trying to tell you. We've been trying. Uh, it's almost like the controversy should like get more people to watch. But as you said, it, it feels kind of like it has the same weird underground feel as the original comic kind of uh to me who didn't read it that's my take on it at least um yeah but although i mean speaking of the ratings they aren't that bad they're like low but consistent like the people who watch this show they fucking watch this show man they are not they're not tapping out so uh all the predictions i've seen are pretty positive about them getting a third season which is uh damn lucky in my opinion well, it's a good show, and and I appreciate that. I mean, the network lets them do what they want to do. For the, for my understanding, I mean, I don't know if there's stuff they turned down that they want to do, uh, and they kind of are not afraid to go there. But I also would understand why it's not like a breakout hit because not everyone is, you know, wants to watch that. But uh, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I really like it. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, even like still in the third episode, damsels, we do have this lady who's revealed later to be an operative for the Grail. Like that's all in the first episode that she has her whole sting operation with Jesse, uh, where she like tricks him into you know revealing information or whatever when when he's the one searching for for information. And then conveniently, he never sees that character when she's living next door to them for like six episodes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a little uh, little flimsy. We also, I mean, we we get to see, uh, we get to check in with Eugene, who was sent to hell by Jesse last season. Yeah. So we do get to see hell. Now, the one thing that was a little, uh, like, so when the Saint of Killers is in his hell, is he in that hell that they're in? Because the angels just, like, walked into it. So I was a little confused on that. Uh, I mean, not that I should be. It's, I... I mean, I'm nitpicking, but I guess you can go in other people's hells where you can't or because they're angels. But then is it a it's an illusion or isn't it? I don't know. But anyways, we get to see his hell. We get to see how it all came about with him. Um, his, you know, suicide attempt that went that went wrong. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts. Uh, this season is all the hell stuff because as well as as like revealed at the end of episode three, uh, he just sees Adolf Hitler walk out of the cell next to him uh, and they make Adolf Hitler like a likable character, like a, a bullied character in hell because he's kind of been there a while and he's kind of learned his lesson, but then in the end, has he, he's still Hitler, so he hasn't really learned his lesson, has he? But, but I mean, all that stuff is pretty funny and like the way they build up hell. I, I'm not sure what you meant that they walk in, but like, I mean, Eugene went into Hitler's hell at one point, so that shouldn't but did really he go be an in issue. And talk to Hitler. Uh, I don't know, but they they were like in when they were in the pits, they were all talking to each other. It felt and like they weren't always engaged. So if someone steps in, I guess it disrupts it. Yeah, those, cri- guess, those crystals are acting up, man. Yeah, I mean, I I know I'm nitpicking, but I guess I you could just explain it away. It's because they're angels. Uh, but the the way they're building up hell and like the hierarchy and how like since God's gone, the things are getting a little out of control, especially with the people running hell. So then yeah. it just felt confusing to me that the angels could go in and take someone from hell 
and I don't know, whatever. whatever. I, I almost felt like it was because of, you know, God being gone and hell being in general disarray. Uh, and yeah, it's a good question because that lady who runs that section of hell, she doesn't at first seem at all like concerned that the saint of killers is gone, but then she's the one to fetch him back eventually. Uh, so it, it's kind of rough to keep track of, but in the end, I do like how it turns into just uh, kind of anarchy in hell or something like that, where she just decides to kill like the the creature when he's crossing the river and all that. But anyway, that's all way in the future. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the Hitler stuff, but uh, <laughs> we can wait to get there. I did love all the Hitler stuff. It's every episode with you. More of the <laughs> Hitler stuff. Jesus. <laughs> Humperdinck. Uh, so episode four, uh, Cassidy recognizes the actor who played a fake god in an infomercial. So they go to the talent agent in a great scene where <laughs> they ask like, well, well, what do you need him for? I need to get to sh- sh- like elevate their position. They immediately say they're going to put him in Game of Thrones. And then they start playing this music track of like, and he's like, oh, and he's st- they start talking about how amazing it is to be on Game of Thrones to get him to give the information. All very funny stuff, I thought. I agree. Yeah. And um, I like the Frankie Muniz uh, cameo in the like, uh, I forget if it was like Hurricane Katrina specifically or just a hurricane, whatever the infomercial. Um, and I mean, we did get Air Star. I guess we got introduced at the end of episode three, but I don't think they get into much of him till later. But we do see Air Star uh, around this point as well. Uh, and I mean, I guess the big problem, too, with some of the not the problem per se, but like you know, the Saint of Killers has been on their tail this whole time. And the Saint of Killers is, you know, basically the most powerful, like, uh, in like insane character. So mm-hmm. the problem I'd say from a writing standpoint, it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do about the fucking Saint of Killers? We can't just always have the Saint, <laughs> saint of Killers showing up immediately. We can't do yeah. anything. And, and that's also the trade off with Jesse because Jesse has the word. Mm-hmm. And I do, they did use it enough where it didn't feel like they were just ignoring it because it's so powerful. But uh, it's a nice trade-off because if he uses the word, then the most powerful kick-ass dude shows up. So uh, that that really helped keep the momentum for like the first half of the season, uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I mean specifically the first half until they figure out what to do with the Saint of Killers in, in episode six. Um, but yeah, so there, there's also this stuff going on with, with Tulip's ex- who turns out to be her husband because uh yeah that's that's a storyline going on here which i thought worked pretty well when they were in vegas they were supposed to get married but then someone from her fucking husband showed up so she beat him to death with a with a <laughs> i don't know what to call those things but it's the thing they the beeps when you go to get married you all know what i'm talking about one of them she oh beats yeah him well, to death. It's like when you go to a restaurant they give you it you don't mm-hmm. usually get that when you get married <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, That's I know. <laughs> Look, you're in the U.S. I don't know what's going yeah. on over there. I don't understand your culture at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, <laughs> she's she sees her ex who runs this criminal organization, and I mean that's they they kind of imply that they had a relationship before, but they save the reveal for the end of the episode that she's her husband, and no, they they kind of hint that she's gonna torture her and all of that, but he actually just wants to talk. Seems like a pretty okay guy for running, you know, a crime empire or whatever he does uh, in his nine to five. But uh, yeah, so that's basically episode four. 
uh, as far as I remember it. So, but and but then I mean, before we get the uh, reveal, is when uh, Jesse is like tortured, and we have that crazy action scene, right? Yeah, Cause, that's because right. we don't get the reveal until Jesse's about to kill Victor. That's right. But, then, like, but that I mean, that action scene when he's it's like the one shot. Well, like you know, it's always like a fake one shot, but it's still the one shot uh, where it's like he's you know being tortured and he. Uh, flips the script and they have a nice fucking battle. Yeah, are they like fighting with body parts? I don't remember something like that. And there's the chains. Well, oh, and... actually, no. What it is is there's a body already in there, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And they're like <laughs> fighting around that. And well, because he busts in, he's using the word on people, but that dude puts the headphones in, and mm-hmm. so we get a nice fucking fucking kick-ass music to go with our kick-ass fight scene that's yeah. about to happen. And he can't use the word, and Jesse just has to use his natural. Uh, you know, uh, ability to kick everyone's ass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, Eugene is also bonding with Hitler at this point in the story. He sees the beginning of his worst, Hitler's worst enemy, which is when he was still kind of a nice guy and all that. But but then they all get pulled out and put, like, everyone, all the hell characters go to just hang out in this kind of um, hangout area. Yeah, basically kind of like a holding area because... Someone, someone who shouldn't be there is there. Of course, it's Eugene, and uh, it's using up too much power, messing up everyone else's hells. And then, since Eugene's like the sweetest guy uh, on earth and in hell, even even with his failed suicide and his deformed face, he's the sweetest dude. But the thing is, he has to, he can't show that because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that nice guy who's not supposed to be in hell, and he's got Hitler's got his back. But Hitler's still being treated like shit by everyone else. And there's, what, a caveman there as well that everyone picks oh, on? That's what he is. I thought he was just an idiot. <laughs> I thought he was just a mental patient. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad I caveman. assume he's like the first caveman to just hit his friend with a rock in the head or whatever <laughs> yeah. and take his belongings, and that's why he ended up in hell. <laughs> right, that's why he's afraid of fire. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, and it's kind of, it's obviously very much like prison and someone's going to get picked on and Eugene is told that hey, don't act, don't be get acting good or like even worse stuff is going to happen to you. You're going to get put in the hole. You don't want that. So, uh basically uh, he also starts kicking Hitler at one point, but it's cool. Hitler understands. He's the best dude in this. And I actually, story. I actually have a th- a theory on the people in hell. Uh let me look up the actor real quick. Because the sure. the the guy that's in there that's kind of like bullying everyone around, just kind of like the regular white guy. Mm-hmm. He was he was like a villainous character in Thirteen Reasons Why, and I feel like he's the same character. I feel like that's a and even if it's not official, official, I'm saying it's official, and uh-huh. I feel like he's playing the same bully jock from Thirteen Reasons Why, who's now in hell and he's bullying Hitler. Ah, uh, fan right theory. There. Get ready, Reddit. We're going to be coming at you with another fucking TV theory. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bryce. Ah, he's his name. Well, I still think this theory is true because he plays Bryce on 13 Reasons Why. He plays Tyler on Preacher. Those are very waspy jock names that I feel like are interchangeable. And yeah. it would be like if you had them next to each other, it would be like Bryce equals Tyler. No one would argue it calling it right now same character from 13 reasons why that's oh my god never i i never would have seen it myself but they do both have y's in them it's like dog good 
backwards. It's the same. It's yes, they're the same character. Which, by the way, I didn't realize until I was like writing it down that God is the dog, and I was like, mind blown. Fucking Westworld shit going on right here. Uh, Real deep stuff. Um, Yeah. So in episode five, we start seeing some flashbacks to the past. What's going on there? uh which is nice kind of they 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 managed to balance it pretty well because in a way i was like oh fucking flashback episode oh my god but then they actually do it pretty well of of justifying where the characters were at and how they ended up where they are and even like how season one came to be so so yeah it's good well yeah because it's back to dallas which was to me i remember in season one when they kind of did the explanation of dallas it was pretty underwhelming. It was just, you know, they accidentally killed a guy and their getaway driver drove away. And I was like, well, it doesn't feel like these people would care too much about killing someone. I get this is maybe a potentially an innocent, but either way, that's season one stuff. Oh, uh, so yeah, go ahead. But she had a miscarriage. That was the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But even that, I know. Yeah, whatever. But it's, <laughs> yeah, that sets up the other thing. But, um, I liked what they did here because it also is reminiscent of hell the way it was like the repetition of day-to-day routine and how it was boring, especially to people like this who do bank robberies and are superheroes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, and then you're right. The the miscarriage plays off because... Pays off, I mean. uh, Because here they are trying to have a kid again, trying to rekindle that that moment, but uh, Tulip behind his back is taking birth control. Yeah, I mean that's always what I considered the the whole point of Dallas that they were gonna have a kid and that got fucked up and that's why they wanted the revenge. And I mean Jesse is like grasping at that, trying to get back to that. He's at his spirit broken and tulip too in a way, but more that she doesn't want to uh, recreate it. Like she doesn't. Yeah, I, know, I, I guess to to make i mean i did kind of forget that but i guess to to explain my uh idiocy it's more like even if tulip was pregnant it's like are you picturing these people settling down and raising a kid so it just didn't feel like it would have the same stakes for these types of characters at least from how they're presented to me well that's what tulip thought as well like that she was getting a taste of that settled down life she was not liking it but like i was imagining before when they had a kid they would it would be like fucking raising arizona over here you'd be taking your kid on all these adventures and go teaching him how to shoot a gun and all that cool stuff and instead they get kind of they crash their whole life crashes and they start like slanging houses and uh all that stuff so so yeah it's pretty pretty depressing for for both of them but the key difference being that jesse still like wants that back and i think i mean i read it as for tulip she was hurt so bad that she didn't want to go down that path again plus of course seeing the boringness of everyday life um but yeah i i I read it as that hurt them both so much but in different ways and that this is like they dealt with it by like keeping stuff from each other and oh yeah i agree but i just mean in the first place going back to the original miscarriage like it's like she had a miscarriage, but you, she was pregnant robbing a bank. It's like clearly things weren't on the straight and narrow, even if they have a kid. But, I mean, this is neither here nor there. Well, that's true. I wanted to mention in the chat, uh, Caesar said that he didn't like the Preacher comic as much. Caught some of the first season, but he really liked Chew, the comic. And he heard that got know. picked up. I don't that's, know what that is. 
think that's the one where it's a cop that eats uh, like flesh and then sees uh, sees the memories of that flesh or something like that. We also have uh, Roland like Bro. Eye zombie? <laughs> Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's called Eye zombie. That's pretty similar. Uh, and Rolling Bro also saying that she finished the second season yesterday. Loved it. We are here agreeing with you, Rolling Bro. That's what we're all about. We're about halfway through almost to the season here because, yeah, uh, instead of like any of that uh, resolving, we, we get back to the future where there's still problems going on where they find out that's why she went and got married to the first best drug lord she could find. Um, and I mean, th there's like this big deal of whether Jesse's going to kill the guy or not. I mean, I guess he's got rage issues, but like what's really his motivation for killing the guy? Well, it's just a weird, but I mean, the show itself with this character, it's a weird kind of bait and switch because what would it matter if he killed the guy? Because Tulip just killed a guy that worked for him. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just killed a guy who was trying to find her. And then we see that he has like a man that tortures people and like they would have killed Jesse. So. I mean, I guess I get why he doesn't do it, but then it's also like if he did kill the guy, would I be like, oh, Jesse, how could you? Well, I think it's more because even if uh, Tulip doesn't care so much about him at the moment, he is someone she cared about in the past a lot. They got married, so him murdering, like it would mean more for their relationship than for Jesse's soul. His soul is already kind of tarnished. Um, but yeah, he, he eventually decides not to kill him. Just didn't feel like that much of a it just much of a shock doesn't make as much sense to me why she would go to the extent to kill the guy that was coming to find her if in the very end it's kind of like well he's my ex-husband i still love him you know <laughs> but but it's more like the show sets that up in a weird way because they're trying to make you think of how dangerous it is if this guy gets his hands on tulip because we keep seeing victor it, she's like afraid of this victor but then when we get to it, they want to give us a twist that, no, it's her ex-husband and she ran away. He is powerful and not necessarily a good guy. But at the same time, she went to the extent to kill someone. So I don't know. Like, I yeah. get what you're saying, but it still doesn't have the same stakes. Like, I'd be like, well, Tulip, you kill people that have to do with this. You know, it's just to me, it's a little bit more flimsy than what the show, like the weight the show is giving it. Well, I, I agree that it feels flimsy, but me it's for me it's more that like Jesse's a fucking he's he's been on the straight and narrow kinda. He's been a preacher for a long time. And if they're really painting up him as having this duality of like the criminal guy and the preacher guy, and then he just ties someone up and like is gonna torture them to death for as far as I understand it, marrying his ex. Like they were not together at that point. She got married. She, like I I hate to be the therapist in the situation, but Jesse, your anger is totally misdirected here. And that's what's so obvious that if he went through with it, his character wouldn't make much sense to me anymore. Um Yeah, I just I just disagree just because it's like we just saw a bunch of scenes of him killing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, for, when, when Tulip killed the guy in, in, Ve in Vegas, uh, potentially Vegas, I, I thought uh, of it more as like she's protecting, like that could even, could, I'm not arguing this, but it could be read as her protecting her ex-husband, not that she loves him or anything, but she doesn't want uh, her fucking love of her life, Jesse, to come into contact with this 
mistake she made that's going to lead to people she has cared about getting hurt because she doesn't care about a lot of people. I don't think she cares about the people working for him, uh, but she just wants that part of her life to go away. She doesn't want him dead, but like just go away. And that's why she doesn't have any problems killing someone who tries to drag her away from from the present i felt sort of but that guy was built like that guy was kind of set up as more of like a right hand man so i feel like by killing that character it's not like he's gonna like the way victor of a character is set up it's not like he's just gonna be like oh well just killed my guy i might as well go away i mean i i i'm not really trying to like debate it with you because i get what you're saying it's just i feel like there's too much gray area with what the show's doing to really put as much weight behind this decision that happens yeah yeah no i think we're on the same page as far as that um because it's kind of a kind of a whole thing of uh, if she's gonna do it and turns out not he makes him sign the divorce papers but in true season one fashion none of that fucking mattered because the very scene true. of killer shows up yeah, killer shows up and, and and fucking shoots everyone except the kid who points them to the location which brings us to episode six uh, which is, in in a lot of ways, probably the best episode, at least as far as I'm concerned, where the Saint of Killers and uh, and our main characters finally come head to head. Like they've they've had fun run-ins before, like that scene where they're in the motel and someone without an arm is trying to get us like a drink from the machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was great. But I mean, that was all kind of road trip chase scene type uh feeling and now is actually the like the climax and the episode starts with a really interesting sequence with some japanese guys signing a contract with a guy and extracting something from him and centrifuging it and then going to another place and kind of selling that to someone who has dementia and putting it in their body and like the way it's panned out was a great way to introduce this whole sort of mechanic of the show and of the story which is the whole soul as a currency soul as something that can be transferred and and used yes well it's 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 done really well uh yeah the soul essence transfer and it plays a big part of the battle between jesse and the saints of killers and it also starts to give you uh a look into jesse's history that we don't know about that jesse has a little bit more knowledge of like say maybe the the occult and like like weird mystical things that we didn't know beforehand exactly and and that's how the conflict plays out that the saint of killers and jesse strikes a deal that he's gonna get Uh oh did i lose you i think i lost you a nice ticking clock because he gets like one hour to do it and it's it's uh plays out really fun i think eventually he does get this machine but none of the souls are compatible they have to be compatible it turns out only jesse's soul is compatible the only one available so he has to decide ah, what, what to what? do oh shit yeah ah. he was using that he was gonna use that one day for something so he said he asked what's the smallest amount he can give it's one percent so he takes one percent of his soul puts it in the saint of killers which means that he can now use the word on him of course he doesn't send him to heaven because why would he he doesn't send him to hell though either presumably because he doesn't want that piece of his soul down in hell uh or possibly because he sees that he can use this person sometime in the future instead he just puts him in this armor truck and drives him out into a swamp which also gets added context later because we find out he has been down in that very same swamp as far as i can tell 
Yep, yep. He takes him to Angelville and he sinks him to the bottom of the swamp. And this does play nice thematically with like what you were talking about. And I mean, the, the show's been doing it since the first season. It has been Jesse battling for his soul. And now he's like literally battling for his soul. And it's much in the same way, you know, we're trying to find God. We're literally trying to find God. And I know that on paper, that kind of sounds dumb, but uh, it all plays out really well in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the first half of the story, it feels like. As you said, they had to figure out a way to deal with the Saint of Killers. Uh, so he's not always coming after them. And they, they deal with him by putting him in a swamp. And then they introduce the new villains or if that's what you want to call him, and the Grail, which is this organization, uh, sh this shadowy organization in white white clothing. And uh, yeah, in this episode, what like these episodes is where it starts to get fuzzy for me because it's kind of like it's like stuff's happening, but it, it kind of feels like stuff is not happening. Well, I mean, Tulip gets sidelined with her PTSD, which is fine, um, but. Tulip has been so kick-ass at everything. Yeah. I mean, which it's nice. It's nice to see some vulnerability, though, because it's like that could be boring also, like just that she's always kick-ass at everything. It just doesn't feel as organic as it should the way it uh, like because this kind of this PTSD gets like stretched out almost like through the rest of the season. Um, and yeah, cause she starts going to that bar where people put on bulletproof vests to get shot because it's like, ah, I just I need to feel pain so I could feel something and I need to feel alive. Mm -hmm. And I we didn't really we didn't mention it at all. But like throughout these episodes as well, we do find out that Cassidy has a son. Um, yeah. Dennis. Dennis. Yes. <laughs> it was a nice twist that I didn't see coming because, uh, you know, we just meet this decrepit old sick man that Cassie's like, ah, that's just Dennis. He's cool. We He'll let us stay at his house and all that. And then we find out that it's his son. And since Cassie's a vampire, he's, uh, you know, he's his older son. And I, I, that's, I mean, that's surprising for me, even though I've heard you say that, you know, they invent stuff that felt like such a central part of what was going on that I felt like surely that must have been in the comic. But no. Yeah, no, not that I remember. Um, hmm. Uh, and yeah, and since he's dying and, you know, Cassidy clearly was, wasn't a good father. So to him, the one good thing his dad can finally do for him is to turn him into a vampire so he doesn't die and he could live forever, much like Cassidy. Yeah. Although this takes several episodes to play out is the big deal. Because in other episodes, yes. we've been like, this happens and this and this. And if this happened, I mean, as far as I know... What Jesse does is like he talks to this street preacher about like, and he has like second thoughts about, oh, my soul, man. And then they go and get shot for the first time in that bar with the bulletproof vests. Uh, what I mean, that's what's that's what's happening. We start, of course, uh, focusing more on Harris Star and his whole past. Uh, he's in Vietnam cleaning up a flying pig uh, miracle mm -hmm. that needs to be wiped out, and also now we finally get to see his. Like background of how he grew into this organization or like he just kind of came in and took over and everyone's just kind of like yeah of course of course you're the boss because you know if you it's like fucking orc rules if you kill the old <laughs> boss you become the new boss i guess yeah. uh so that's fine uh that's i mean that's the most interesting thing going on in in, in this episode i think yes we start to learn because basically the grail uh like their whole job is to make sure there's not competition 
for you know the second coming of Christ. So he investigates the you know the it's the stuff you hear about in real life, like oh there was a you know a man who floats or a statue that cries or in this one it was a a pig that floats and they go in and basically like, kill the pig and kill the town and say it was a gas leak or whatever the fuck they do <laughs> yeah like in it was pcp gang on pcp uh like in buffy uh but yeah so that's basically that episodes um moving on we get some more glimpses of hell uh where eugene is thrown into the hole where we he sees like a, a fat we, we were wondering earlier what's the hole turns out it's his memories again but this time they start acting different and like then Tracy does not shoot herself in the memory. Uh, she like then then the, but then the preacher shows up and they start making out and then he shoots himself. Didn't seem that much worse to be honest in the hole uh, when he went there the first time. Seemed kind of like uh, the same to me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because now yeah, now Jesse shows up in in hell and it, Jesse's like fucking his bitch or whatever. So that makes it all the more worse apparently. I guess. I mean, he he did he did blame himself for her death. I mean, it's a nice mechanic for later when he processes these emotions when he's there with ha with with Hitler. One of the greatest scenes uh, in the season when he like processes his different traumas by by like having them summoned and and Adolf Hitler's in the background like ah, mein Gott like there's another thing you have to because uh, like his his dad comes in at the end and he's like tell he has the arse face and it's like a dream uh, where like he he tells everyone like what's what and like no it's not my fault you're dead like he actually processes his feelings and moves on but that's all in the future um uh, yeah so he still hasn't turned his son into a vampire in this episode he does at the end of this episode i believe yeah so. yeah yeah and and yeah like we said this does happen over multiple because even just even meeting dennis is in like the third episode or something and dennis is there then we find out yeah it's his son then he asks to be a vampire, and then not to like around this point is when he finally obliges to be a good dad, basically. And Jesse's off still investigating the the video, the audition tape of the 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 man who played God in the vision at the yeah. end of last season. He goes to the dork docks um, to look into the video, and I guess it does kind of make sense because like now everyone's just being annoyed. Everyone's just getting annoyed with Jesse. They're like all right, enough of this God stuff, enough of this bullshit. Like, this is going nowhere. You're wasting everyone's time. Just stop. Even yeah. though Jesse is a superhero that can tell people what to do whatever he wants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, very true. And, I mean, this is the part where it starts to feel a little bit sluggish because, yeah, he's, like, they, they're all, like, shit, we only have dead ends. What do we do? I guess we go, like, look at the film again. And, like, that doesn't turn anything up. But then it's like, oh, maybe it will. And then Tulip's buying a fridge because she's dealing with her trauma. She goes to meet her neighbors, which are now the character, like, the, yeah, the Laura Featherstone who's the, there as an agent infiltrating. And they start hanging out. And it kind of slows down a little bit. I mean, that's pretty much this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. And in the background, yes, the, the Grail is keeping an eye on Jesse and his crew. And um, Air Star orders some prostitutes for a rape fantasy. But right. it turns out that he's the rape fantasy and he gets raped by like three guys, which gives him an epiphany when he looks at Jesse, Cus uh, Jesse Custer on uh, a picture of him on his desk. And he realized Jesse, Jesse could be the second coming. Yeah. 
Uh, cause yeah, I already had the first coming. Ha ha ha. What's, what's the deal with, uh, what's the, what's the deal with him getting buggered on his desk? Cause they build him up like he could fight them off easily. Like they build him up like this person who's in charge of everything, who has like weapons at his fingertips, could call out, get someone to come in and help. He's got his little secretary out there. Like he could do feels like he could do something about it and he's always talking about masculinity and you know how men should be in charge of women and all that it feels like he shouldn't accept to be buggered so easily but on the other hand they build him up as a character who like doesn't care about things that are embarrassing yeah, that's what or... i was gonna say i think it's more yeah. that he just doesn't care because i mean i've i um it's been a while since i read the comic but i I do remember the thing with Air Star is that he was just kind of like a perverted Nazi. Yeah. Um, so I think I think where you're supposed to take more from it is that he probably could have stopped it, but he just doesn't care too much that he's like, well, at least I'm going to get my nut off or whatever. Okay. I mean, I guess because uh, I mean, he, t- he but he has he's like a fetishist for power. Like he, he he's all about being in control. So that's why it's strange. It's not because it's gay. It's because he's like a, a, a dom. He would be fucking them in the ass, if anything. Yeah, no, but- I get and, and And like you said, they we saw through these flashbacks that he basically like destroy. He could destroy anyone that got in his path. So it does come off a little weird that he's just like, all right, whatever. Yeah, but I kind of accepted it as well as one of the very weird things that are pretty fun in this show that are feel kind of random, but all add up together into the universe of the show. Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, because that's kind of basically episode in episode nine, because episode nine, that's when we have like the drone missile. I don't even have a lot of notes on this episode because I just remember, I think Jesse does use the word on Tulip. Um we have the drone missile and they don't realize that you know it's about to come for them but then airstar changes it and decides he's going to be on the jesse custer team yeah yeah i mean it's uh like all all, yeah these episodes as we were saying kind of kind of blend together he he is uh he's taking jesse's taking control of the police setting up a perimeter and he's all paranoid about people coming after him or or this or that all of that feels in the end not super important and it doesn't feel like super high stakes because whatever they do with the grail they don't feel as dangerous as the saint of killers um it doesn't so it's the stakes aren't going to feel as high instead they're kind of infiltrating them and playing with their heads which doesn't end up as much fun but what is fun is when uh her, her star uh is in the bar at the end and he offers to help jesse and that's where i feel like things kind of start to pick up a little bit again Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because in episode 10, we see uh, some people fucking and uh, we get hints that it's, you know, a flashback sometime in the past. And then we realize that it's Jesus getting his nut off for the first time before he gets taken away to to be crucified. Very true, which is one of (laughs) another great thing that feels so in line with uh with the show of just hey just show it just make it kind of like that scene in um in uh, uh what's it called the puppet movie america team america where they're fucking and just uh, oh, make yeah, it like yeah. that but with silhouettes and like put it on tv i guess we can just do that with jesus no one's watching so like everyone who's watching is kind of like just be cool just be cool no one say anything to to, to the people who would complain about this uh because it's fine it's it's great um 
Now, do you and... know who plays Jesus in this episode? And he also plays uh, Humperdoo. No. It's uh, Tyson Ritter, the singer of All American Rejects. You know the band <laughs> All American Rejects? Oh, yeah. I know the band All and, American Rejects. And you know the title of this episode is Dirty Little Secret. And you know the song uh, they keep playing yeah. on Guitar Hero is mm. Dirty Little Secret by the All American Rejects. I like that. <laughs> now, the only reason why I knew that is because the, he was on Parenthood. And I like found out later, I was like, oh, that's the dude from All American Rejects. And here he is here. So a little yeah. trivia for you. That's good. That'll that'll keep me in the in the running at the bar quizzes on preacher. Oh, that's great. Uh yeah, yeah. We what I mean what yeah, we we find we meet Humberdink or Humperdink Humperdoo, Humper, sorry. Humperdoo. Which as you said was not in the comic this early. Not this early. I remember it more towards the end that we finally meet Humperdoo. Mm. Uh but I could be wrong. It's been a while, but I remember it more towards the end. But yes, cuz like the whole thing is all about how Jesse and Air Star are, t- are, are a team. They're doing a Marvel team up here. And uh, Jesse's learning about the Grail. He meets the Pope. Uh, and he wants to know, like, what's the end game? What's going on? And he forces Air Star to teach. Although it's, like, arguable that Air- this is all part of Air Star's plan. He wants Jesse yeah. to see what's going on. Because even though, even though uh, Air Star is the head of the Grail, he doesn't necessarily agree that we shall be worshiping this retarded Jesus that yes. uh, they want to thrust upon the world. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that I guess they bring it up because they want to get into him making Jesse Custer the new god. Like, that's his pitch. Uh, yep. So they have to show why he doesn't want the other option, which is this. Uh, although, I mean, this is a. I felt obviously something was going to be not right with this uh messiah figure but when they were doing the whole thing of going in there and almost like when they were going to see god all these different layers of coming closer and closer and then finally meeting him and he's there in his sort of robe and in a weird uh uh circa year 33 level type uh interior design room there like Obviously, something weird is going to happen. The show is t- taught as, like, it's not going to be, like, obviously, he's not going to be, like, a cool Jesus character uh, who just smokes weed and hangs out. It's going to be something different about him. Uh, and, yeah, he's he's inbred as fuck, and that's caused him to be, like, mentally handicapped. Who did they inbreed him with? Because, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, because how do you mess that up? Like, who are you choosing as the most holy, like, lineage on Earth? Is it, like, the apostles' children or something? Like, how does that work? Well, I, I, I guess from what I imagine it would work is, yes, he would first he would have a son, and then they would have him breed with someone and maybe have multiple children, and then you have them breed with each other, and then that starts the line, basically. Ah, so Targaryen rules, basically. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going Targaryen on it for sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I guess it adds up. He pees on the preacher, uh, Jesse, who's not super impressed either. Uh, he he did, does, though, see some sketches of a dog. Hmm, maybe that'll come up later. <laughs> uh, at the same time, they, they kind of try to melt down the guns, and which doesn't work, the Saint of Killer's guns, and basically um, 
that's this episode, right? That's kind of the, yeah, I, I, I did, did love that. I did I love did that part was... you mentioned with the uh, with the Pope and the head of the Church of England. I love that part yes, where yeah. he sits down and it feels like he's finally going to get the truth, and then they like totally disagree with each other, like "No, you're silly," and they because the thing he says it feels like it could be the case in the show, which is that like God is on the run from an uprising in heaven, and then he's like "No, no, no," and they argue, and then he figures out, "Oh, okay, no one knows." Uh, yeah, I think the gun's uh, meltdown is in the episode 11, but either way. Oh, um, okay. Uh, yeah, and I think in episode 11 is when we do get see young Jesse being pulled up from the bottom of the swamp. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see um, that, you know, what's your name? Uh, Jesse Custer. It's like, all right, put him back under because you yeah. ain't Jesse Custer, bro. You're we got that. Yeah, or whatever the, the, the last name is. Yeah, we got a hint of that when he went to like the soul when he was searching for the soul stuff because he wanted a soul for for the saint, so he kind of dropped that name. He knew just where to go, uh, so that's the part that helps tie everything together and make it feel not totally out of the blue that he's got this uh, uh, swamp voodoo background. Uh, yeah, so they're gonna uh, they're okay. Yeah, now now Jesse figures out about the dog in episode eleven, so he goes to see him, but shit, he's already left. Ah. Uh, and he's further, and Jesse's further alienating himself from Cassidy and Tulip because further, if you will, yes, further. yeah, because I mean Tulip's Fur. still going through stuff and finding solace in an undercover neighbor, and Cassidy is ignoring that his son is a weirdo, <laughs> weirdo vampire. Like he doesn't do, he wasn't a good dad. Like a, he wasn't good baby dad. He's not a good vampire dad either. And as far as teaching him how not to be a bad vampire we haven't really seen other vampires in the show right so we kind of don't know if they're all trying to be good presumably not but anyway cassidy's learned uh i assume by going too deep into the darkness he's learned that hey that killing stuff's you know only on weekends or whatever because he still kills people but but not as much but even like when blood like they're both like with chicks or whatever and Dennis is always kind of going a little too far. Like the girl with Dennis is a little more scared and kind of like, yeah. no, no, get away. And Cass- Cassie's like, oh, partying with chicks and drugs <laughs> and my son. This is just what we do. Nothing out of the ordinary here. Yes, have a puppy. Don't worry. He won't hurt the puppy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he he doesn't do a good job of it. He does call someone and say and ask for like advice, Seamus or someone on the phone. Which makes me think, hmm, Irish vampire clan, maybe. <laughs> Leprechaun vampire crossover, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, where were we? Uh, yeah, they I try to melt down the guns and all the that. Yeah, yeah, trying mm. to melt down the guns. That doesn't. We go back into Hitler's hell. We get the rest of the story, and mm. we realize it was Hitler's last day that he was a good person. That's his uh, living hell that he has to live in. Yeah, and as I said, like that part, like we're kind of skimming over it. There's bits of it in most of these episodes, and they really feel like they have strong momentum. They have a like a character with a very strong goal. I want to get out of hell. It feels very clear what's going on. Interesting characters bouncing off each other. One of them's Adolf Hitler, which is very fun. And they do their escape attempt in this episode as well, where where Hitler has his like thing where he gets back in control of everyone because they need a distraction and they're like why should we listen to you and he's like (laughs) yeah he does this great line of because Um, i'm yeah 
Adolf fucking, fucking Hitler. <laughs> and it's like yeah. we finally see the Hitler we all know and love. Uh, not this well, meek little uh, little cuck or whatever. Not this cuck Hitler we've been mm. seeing all season. But what, one thing I will say about Hitler is I like how the show may like you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop because you're like, oh, it's Hitler. But yeah. I kind of feel like it would be betty, better and ballsier if they just made him the good guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they they do for most of it. It's still like I, I would also not have been able to resist going for the goof in the final episode because I really think he was like he wasn't conning Eugene. He was going to stay behind in hell uh, and like say, let him get out of there and that would give him like some sort of closure. But then Eugene has to live. He's the person who makes the choice of like, no, come with me, Hitler. You're the best. Like you've you've already served your time. It's your your punishment okay. is over. So right. he is the one who has to like pay for that idiocy uh, by seeing him when they arrive. Uh, just be Hitler. Okay, I do like that reading of it because I couldn't tell if the show was trying to tell me that Hitler, this was all part of the manipulation or not. But I guess you're right. He did tell him like. He was basically gone, mm -hmm. and Eugene was the one that's like, no. <laughs> you know, okay, this is better. And then it's like, but once Hitler's back on Earth, you can't help being, you know, he's the, the scorpion, and, you know, yes. what, what am I going to do? You're a frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I do uh, like that. I, I do like that then. Yeah, because, I mean, we're obviously jumping ahead to that, but, I, I mean, I love the uncertainty when they get out and they get to, like, the riverbank or uh, wherever it is, and there's a weird figure standing there in a cape that he gives him the instructions, go up and tell him to, like, you don't belong here, you, you, he'll take you across, and then Hitler goes away, and it really feels uncertain whether he was telling the truth or not because he goes up and tries to say that, but then they build this tension of, like, no, it's going to go to shit, but then they do this great thing where they like sometimes they build the tension like with Humperdoo and we know it's going to be like a joke but here I didn't even know if it was going to be a joke that's why it's extra funny where that guy in the cape is just like oh you thought that was the horn no like this is the horn I don't know what that thing is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the thing that's over there so yeah and then then the lady shows up and it kills him, kills the guy in the cape because it's anarchy. And then Hitler kills her. And even after that, like he had like two opportunities to try to go with him. He still says like, no, you go, go. Like this is my place. And and Eugene is the one who pulls him along. And Eugene's the one that ruins it and unleashes Hitler back on the world. Yep. Uh, but yeah, backing up though. Um, yes, we see young Jesse and the punishment he's going through by being kept at the bottom of a swamp in, in a casket, basically. Uh, we'd find out the Saint of Killers is gone. He's no longer at the bottom of that swamp anymore. Jesse's still going after the dog. Um, and, I mean, Airstar is basically manipulating Jesse. Like, they're, still, they're going through, like, um, what? Is this the point when they're going through, like, Messiah training? Or that's kind of later on? Um, well, I th it's at the end of episode 12 that he accepts this ah, thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So in this episode, yeah, we have the Saint, I mean, uh, the Saint of Killers is, is released because, well, it's, like, it's weird that they do this off screen, but Tulip decides to confront uh, Jesse and then they cut ahead to them dragging the, the, the fucking thing out of the swamp. So they don't actually show the confrontation where Jesse admits oh, that he was lying. Yes, yeah. 
it just yeah cuts to them pulling it out to like make sure he's there which is yeah. weird because it's just gonna if if he was there uh i mean i guess he technically looked in first but then he opened the the back and you know there was no saints of killers uh so of course tulip's been afraid of the saint of killers ever since he's been been gone so it's just bringing all that stuff back up uh and then we kind of in the next episode episode 12 we cut back and it shows what how it went about the grail went in swapped out the trucks took them out and uh made a deal basically with the saint of killers yeah yeah and that what was the deal they made that he was gonna get to heaven or again like does he buy that deal again or i don't recall really what that deal was about uh yeah basically they just to let him out they just wanted to go after jesse which he already was going to but then mm -hmm. this was also kind of part of the plan because they did this but then they save him hell shows up yeah hell shows up and and uh, my notes say saved by the hell <laughs> uh because jim Santa why didn't we make that the episode title oh we're so stupid oh yeah, we can always edit it um because yeah the santa killer shows up and he's just laying waste to everyone as he would and the word has been not working quite as well it's it's like the batteries are going out or something yeah and so that's not helping and then and then jesse's getting like the shit kicked out of him but then yeah saved by the hell the the people from hell come and take the saint back and they but they mention it to him right they're like you should be grateful to air star so we know mm -hmm. he's got those connects yeah yeah and then like uh, the grail also owns am all ambulances so they kind of instead of taking them to the hospital they go and reveal everything to them which drives a further wedge um between them and then jesse just goes he has no choice i'm just gonna take over god's job uh because i guess yeah the pope is also announcing that god has disappeared and all of that so so yeah he gets on his knees oh wait yeah no, he doesn't i mean the her star gets on his knees yeah. sorry yeah and they also kind of yeah they make it where the the see the doubt is kind of like never mind like how jesse's been doing all this stuff behind their back but then they also like to jesse's credit he's also been like we gotta go do this do that and they're like whatever enough of you and your shit but yeah. now it's more about like tulips like do you even need us it's that whole yeah like uh i have no powers and you have powers even though we've seen that tulip has superpowers basically but yes and cassidy is a vampire so even more so yeah <laughs> he's like the, those are like the two most competent people he could have his, at his back like but yeah, but it, it, yeah to, it, in oh, contrast oh. the grail has like that girl and that black guy those are the only two grail operatives we know of they also have the popes but i mean that's who would be backing up Jesse here. So it doesn't really add up that they're like, oh, do you really need us anymore? He, what if he was like, hey, guys, the word's kind of not working. So I need you even more than any ever, guys. Come on. Exactly. That worked. You got to turn, be loyal, Jesse. Turn to your friends. But that causes, the, that digs the rift and they decide they're probably going to split up. And Tulip and Cassidy are going to go to what some beach some island beach that the tropical island they've been talking about yeah yeah but cassidy's a vampire and i mean and then the cassidy stuff seems flimsy too because now he's i guess he's concerned about his savagery of being a vampire because he's reminded of it by seeing how dennis is yeah so he's concerned like he, he's always had feelings for tulip but now he's concerned that he's gonna bite her or turn yeah. her or do something about it 
the reason, I mean, th maybe this was one of the things we mentioned where, hey, the, the shows gets to do whatever they want. Maybe they wanted, maybe they needed to have one more scene in this where, like, he sees his son do some heinous shit and it makes him high. Like, it makes Cassidy more high than any drugs just seeing it or, like, partway participating or something like that. It feels like they skipped a bit because he kind of, like, he's suspecting. He, he knows, but he doesn't really see that his son is being a bad vampire like and he doesn't take any real disciplinary action except taking his dog away and like banging on his door and it is funny that he's being the dad to the much older <laughs> yeah, son yeah. of like turn that damn music down yeah. but but still it doesn't quite add up because he goes from like no no nothing to killing his son then and i mean i guess that's what what is what would have happened in like inevitably in the end anyway but it feels like it was missing like he like Dennis is on some website for some bloodbath club or something. So why doesn't Cassidy go there to like get him out of there? And then he sees how how deep his son has fallen, something like that. Because instead, it's kind of like you're going out the window, bro. Yeah, no, I agree. It kind of comes out of like I understand that Cassidy is ignoring it because he wants to pretend he ha he like is doing right by his son. I get that. And I can see that things escalate a bit because of his feelings for Tulip. But then his reaction does seemingly come kind of out of nowhere. It doesn't quite add up. Like, it, it, like you said, if there was maybe one more thing that he finds, even if it was, I guess the dead dog wouldn't have worked because Cassidy ate a dog last season. But still, this was a cute puppy. This was yeah. a cute little puppy. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think it, it, it needed that one more thing to uh to to kind of sell it but it does end with yeah cassidy just pushing him out a window and and having to close it shut while his his son burns burns to death in the sun in the sun mm -hmm. burns to death in the sun will you yeah and yeah and they it's not like they don't have the space for it because that's what we were talking about as the main criticism that it feels like there there could have been more stuff happening in these episodes and that would definitely have been something happening but yeah, uh, the most fun part of this episode is the manufacturing of a viral video uh, where Jesse is supposed to save the day because, hey, how do you make a messiah these days? It feels like they've primed us for thinking he's going to go out and make some sort of like uh, Sermon at the Mountain speech in weird robes. But instead, of course, it's modern age. He has to make a viral video saving, uh, saving a bunch of school children from from some uh, weird terrorists. From so, yeah, like an Armenian uh, like execution, basically. They're gonna come yeah. in and execute the nuns and the children. Yeah, and I mean, at the end, Jesse acts all like that was a setup, wasn't it? And it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, did no you shit, clearly. did you really, while it was happening, think it was real? Like, that is that's kind of, we have to suspend our disbelief a little bit because he even recognizes the janitor as one of the people who's a terrorist. I mean, I guess, hey, I shouldn't be prejudiced. Terrorists can be janitors, but still. Well, basically, they're setting up a false flag operation, uh, <laughs> yes. which is constantly done by governments. But I do have to say, what a kick-ass use of My Sweet Lord by George Harrison uh in the the, the fight sequence uh when that when the slow-mo kicked in and my sweet lord started i was like oh fuck yeah they know what they're doing i love this right yeah. now it's great <laughs> yeah yeah that was re really fun and um 
Uh, we have Harstar is also being kind of fun because he's like, he knows what's happening, but he's acting the part and being in it and everything. And uh, yeah, it goes well. And, and it re- it gets like the highest rating that any viral video can get. He's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel. So that's what they say <laughs> like 18 times. It's pretty funny that it, I, I fully or like at least half expected Kimmel to be in this episode. I was waiting for that. that. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was waiting for that. Uh, we kind of already went over the um, the Hitler stuff with Eugene. Um, I mean, it all basically comes to a head where finally, fucking finally, someone notices the camera uh, that's been in the apartment the whole time. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 he, and never mind it being at least like kind of on the wall where maybe you wouldn't quite notice it. It's been on the floor for like three episodes. And g- yes. give it, it's a dirty apartment, but still, it's a spy camera on the floor. Uh, finally, Tulip uh, finds it, and yeah, I guess this is in the midst when they're doing. They're about to leave. Like Tulip and Cassidy are about to leave. Go to the go to a sunny beach. Yeah, uh, Cassidy is like, "Oh, one more thing. I kill my son." He goes, kills his son. Tulip's like, "Oh yeah, one more thing. I found this camera," and she makes the connection that the neighbor is undercover, and then she gets shot off screen. Right? Like we don't see it, do we? It just she has a screwdriver, and the other lady has a gun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're tr- playing rock paper scissors, and she has picked the wrong weapon in that fight, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I believe they like they do the old classic like shoot to black or something, or shoot to cut, uh, where they pull their weapons, but we don't see what happens, and then she's fatally shot on the on the floor, dying, um, which felt very dramatic in a way, and it it most like it mostly worked, especially when Jesse. Or like when Cassidy wants to turn her into a vampire because that feels like it feeds into the whole arc of the season of like he's already learned that that can't be done, but he's so desperate to save her. And Jesse, on the other hand, would never like... And it's it's got another layer because Jesse and Cassidy are friends, but he's also saying to Cassidy, no, I would rather she died than become like you, which is like enhancing their whole conflict as well. Of course, in the end... we. In this episode, we also get more flashbacks to his past working for this voodoo lady earlier on. And it's really well put together because they have a classic Breaking Bad style flashback at the start, which comes into play at the end of the of the episode where he he kills this chicken out of anger and frustration and kind of on accident when he was a kid. And so he runs and asks her to bring the chicken back. And she says, everything has a price or something like that. Yeah. And of course, at the end, we find out that like Jesse forces Cassidy to let her die because she can't be saved and she doesn't want her to be a vampire. But then they are driving to uh, Angelville. So we know what's going to happen. And it's a great ender for the season. Yes. And we do get a glimpse. I did forget in that flashback. We do get a glimpse. Well, not at their faces, but TC and Jody are in that pickup truck. And if you notice, TC does have that tattoo. We've seen that before. Have we not on the wrist? Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's out there to say that that is the, the hand that shoots and kills Jesse's father because we've seen it. Oh, um, shit. And, and cause that skull, uh, that skull icon is also on the, like the entrance to Angelville or whatever, or at least mm-hmm. their section of Angelville. Um, and yeah, like some of that stuff. I'm very excited for to see what they do with in season three. Now, the one thing I was talking about, there is a part. 
there is a thing that happens with Tulip when she gets shot and and killed, but it plays out a bit differently. And it wasn't so much like this voodoo stuff bringing her back. So I, I'm not sure how they're going to go with that type of with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll say this is spoilers for the comic. She uh, she comes back, but it's like God sends her back because he's trying to make a deal with Jesse. Like, stop trying to find me. Oh, OK. Well, God's not concerned with that here. He's too busy in his dog costume yeah. listening to jazz, which is the, like the ender of the season because I like the Angelville reveal as the ender, but then they cut and they show this like motel room or whatever it is and they show the dog costume and they pan around. And this would be great if we hadn't already had the reveal that the dog was God. Agreed. But instead, so I was waiting for like, okay, it's going to be like a face reveal or something. We're going to see what actor is eventually going to play God, something like that. But but this scene really kind of does nothing. It's just a reminder that God's out there because he's in the bathroom and he opens the door and there's a bright white light in the end of the season. And like the Angelville was much better as far as ending it. Yeah, and and that's such a great point. If if they didn't, they could have even, they didn't even really have to have the Humperdoo dog sketches to keep Jesse like on the trail of God, like he's already on the trail of God. He's already in with the grail at this point. It would have been so much better if it's just, you saw the dog mask and then it panned over and the door opened with the light. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That would have been a much better reveal. And, and yeah, the Angelville, them driving to Angelville and then you see the chicken cross the road. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think that, 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 that's a much better just final shot. Uh, yeah, but either I mean, what are you gonna do? It's a nitpick, but uh, very excited for what they do. I, I mean, like you said, if it's staying steady, I assume the show is coming back for more. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it would have messed up his character motivation because he kind of had to realize that this god is not worth looking for to accept becoming the new messiah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, it makes sense. It's just this: the ending doesn't pack as much of a punch. However, it doesn't really matter because the Angelville stuff is good too. So, but yeah, I, I also can't help imagining like, what if we didn't know about the dog and then they show that at the end? That would have been a great moment. But ah, uh, it's it still probably would have made his choice seem a bit weirder too and character motivation is very important as we learned in game of thrones this season so i should can't fault them for putting it in earlier yes so yeah overall uh uh very good stuff and it leaves me much more excited for the new season than season one did i mean again not to, s to keep harping on season one it was still very good it's just they're they're you know, uh, they got their wings a flutter now. They're leaving the nest, and it's very exciting uh, on uh, what they can do from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing their own their own sort of thing. Uh, I'm going to find real quick because I did want to mention before we finish that in in the days coming up here, we're going to be releasing some episodes on some topics. If you want. To request a specific show, there's a very easy way of doing it. You just leave a review on iTunes and tell us what show to check out. And we are contractually obligated to do an episode on that show. So to tell you about some shows we're going to be checking out, I can say, um, I can read you this review, which is from Cody, saying, whether you watch the shows they review or, uh, to gauge similar or opposing opinions or haven't seen even a clip of what they're reviewing and just want to listen to two cool dudes talk about shows and movies, it's a great listen. Also, you guys should definitely review Hannibal. So 
that means we're going to talk about Hannibal in one of the episodes coming up. Also, from Jake and Mike VGS, uh, this show is great, and also you guys have to watch The Good Place. So we're also going to do an episode on The Good Place. Ah. Now, I have watched Hannibal. I have not watched Hannibal, so... Uh, I don't think we're going to do every episode of Hannibal because it would take a while, but we're going to do something on it. I'm going to watch some of it and catch up. I already started The Good Place, which I didn't even know about, but I'm liking what I've seen so far. So we're going to do something on that. And if you haven't seen those shows, you want to talk about your favorite show, even if it's an anime. Like, this is how you make Jim watch anime, guys. Anime. Just leave a review, please. I can't do it. I'm contractually obligated not to force him to watch anime. It was when we started this show. That was all part of it. So please do this for me. Yeah. That's about it. it. Do it for Jacob. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Or even for me to watch Hannibal, I guess. (laughs) You already did it. So well done. Well, Um, now I'll have to go back. I I haven't finished it. I haven't finished the last season. Well, uh, I, I will have to go back. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, also, of course, you could just leave a review on Stitcher or wherever the hell you like. We would really appreciate it. You could share our show. Uh, you could also go and uh, watch my video essay I made on Game of Thrones, which brings up a lot of the stuff we discussed, but in a more uh, hard-to-put-together manner. I ended up spending about 70 hours putting that thing together. So there's a 20-minute video essay on that. If you want to check it out, just search for Awesome PD on YouTube. I also have to re-recommend, because I rewatched it, and it's still great, uh, Jim's Fast and Furious uh, film theory, where he poses that the main character is a Terminator. So check that out at Jim and Them, the YouTube channel, and also our websites, jimandthem.com and awesomepedia.org. Yes, thank you. Oh, this is a long one, but we covered a whole season of your show. So thank you if you stuck around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, Caesar, go re- go tell him in tell him in a review what what anime to watch. Do it, Caesar. <laughs> Bye. See ya.